don't think I need this step, do I? <laughs> All right. Um, well, it's it's great to um, to have this opportunity to to say a few words, and um, yeah, I I'm, I I think it'll be um, hopefully it'll be good for you as well <laughs> to to hear from me. As you are listening to the Bible reading, um, especially those those first um, few verses, um, what comes to my mind is is this. So as I'm as I'm hearing, you know, that we should. Um, strip off any any weight that's that's holding us back and and run the race that God set for us. I I want you to picture this. I want you to picture the MCG with its grandstands packed. Okay, crowds have gathered. There's a great energy. People are excited. There's chanting. There's clapping. There's Mexican waves. It's an electric atmosphere of celebration and anticipation. Then imagine that the stands kind of like they grow upwards and upwards. And so it's, it's like the, on the screen, but it's even bigger. So an, an even bigger stadium than the MCG. Multiply it by 100. And we're all together. Team Northern. Okay, we're all here. But we're not in the stands. We're not part of that great crowd. We're running onto the sacred turf itself. That's us. Everyone is cheering us on. We're out on the field because... <laughs> Sorry. Because this is our time. This is our time. And as a community of Jesus' disciples, we're walking, or better, or better yet, we're running in his footsteps. And so we can hold our shoulders back and our heads high because... Jesus has embraced us. Jesus has shown us how much God loves us and that he changed that um, and that he has changed us. We're not arrogant and proud to, as we run because we know full well that um, we're no better than the next person. But as disciples of Jesus, we've been given something immense and wonderful to keep and to carry to others. So we move with a dignity onto the field of life, with a power, with a gratitude that goes beyond us, that gives glory back to Jesus. And this great cloud of witnesses, this great crowd of witnesses surrounding us celebrates as Jesus works in us and through us. I think that's the picture that the writer of Hebrews wanted to give us. Um, he wants us to, to know that we we can stand tall with Jesus. And so this morning, I guess my message to you is, um, in a nutshell, is that we need to put discipleship front and center at Northern. Since we're um, surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, says Hebrews 12, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Can you hold on to that vision as a community, as, as Team Northern? Um, can you imagine that, that, um, that we are running on the field and that we are being cheered? Um, I think there's a natural tendency for us to scoff at that and to think, oh, nobody would be interested in little old me. Um, um, maybe I'd be an embarrassment if I was if I was running out onto the field, 
Um, maybe I'd be out of my depth. Maybe I'd feel a bit like the Jamaican bobsled team. You know, we all have that kind of feeling of inadequacy. But the writer of Hebrews inspires us to newfound confidence, not just in ourselves, but in Jesus. So if we have that much confidence in him, then it kind of flows back onto us that we can have confidence, therefore, in ourselves. Today, I simply want to remind you, above any other concern, put discipleship in Jesus front and center. I'm convinced that being a disciple of Jesus, dedicating our lives to being like him, is God's cure for the human condition, no less. Following Jesus is the cure for the chaotic life, for the rushed life, for the purposeless life, for the unfulfilled life, the shameful life, the angry life, the fearful life. God has an incredible, high, incredibly high view of us. God believes that we are capable of amazing things. So God and his entourage and his angels and the witnesses that have gone before us, they are indeed watching us and spurring us on to follow Jesus. You'll see, you see in, um, the ne- I think it's the next, the next one along. The fruit of discipleship, so as we, as we follow Jesus and we learn this path of following Jesus, is that the love of God is in the hands of ordinary people, okay? So that's why discipleship has to be front and center because as we learn to follow Jesus, the love of God, that amazing love that is beyond us, God puts it in the hands of ordinary people. You see in, in Acts, um, very soon after Jesus has risen and, and he's ascended to heaven, um, you see something has changed in his disciples. So Peter and John, they, um, they're causing too much of a kerfuffle in, in Jerusalem. And so the, the leaders get, gather them and, and they're going to be stern, you know. So usually Peter and, they'd expect ordinary people like Peter and John to, to cower before their majesty. But, um, but this is what it says in Acts 4.13. Seeing now the boldness of Peter and John and having understood them to be unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished. They could tell that they had been with Jesus. So when I talk about discipleship, let me just say a few things about that because some people here might not really know what that means and it is a word that we don't use in ordinary language a lot. Discipleship is not a six-month program that you do when you first become a Christian, you know, like learning to read the Bible, um, getting taught how to pray. That's not discipleship, okay? That might be the first couple of little steps of it, but that's not it. Discipleship is not some extra level that you do when you get serious about your faith, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get serious now. I'm going to get into discipleship. Um, Discipleship, being a disciple, it's, I guess, a bit like being an apprentice, except that we're not just learning knowledge and skills. We're, we're practicing a way of life that's embodied by a master. So a disciple says, I'm dedicated to be just like you. I want to embody the life that you are embodying. So I want to be like Jesus in the way I speak, in the way I work, in how I play, in how I use my resources, in how I act as a friend, in how I love. Okay, And so I'm going to dedicate myself to that. Three things about discipleship. Firstly, it's essential. Discipleship is essential. You might, some of you may know um, this face, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
He was a Christian leader in Germany during the Nazi era. And he led an underground church that was openly in defiance of the Nazi government. And, um, and eventually he was put in prison and um, sadly he was killed in a Nazi camp very close to the end of the war. But through his writing, including his book, which, he, which is called The Cost of Discipleship, he made a profound influence on the church worldwide. And he says, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. So the idea that you can be a Christian by name and not by nature um, is unfounded in, in the New Testament. So it's essential. It's, it's actually our only measure of success as a church. It doesn't matter if you, if you get a huge building, an amazing building, or if you get more bums on seats, that might be something to celebrate. But the only real measure of success that counts in eternity is whether we are discipling and being discipled into life in Christ. Discipleship is essential to our life. Okay, the next one is that discipleship is enough. And this is something that we can all kind of go, yes. It's not like there's not 20 steps that you have to do. Just, just discipleship. That's it. It's enough. It is enough for, for disciples to be like their teacher. This one endeavor is all it takes to fulfill all the demands of a person's life. It's all you need. So learning from Jesus satisfies the deep desire of your heart to live whole and fruitfully. All the dimensions of who we are, our emotional life, our spiritual life, physical life, social life, all of those things get addressed as we follow Jesus, as we become disciples. Jesus assures us in this verse, Matthew 11, um, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy, bur heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So it's interesting because Jesus is saying, Hey, if you're, heavy, if you're heavy bur heavily burdened, come to me, and I'll give you rest. But then he goes, take my yoke. Okay, so see those oxen there? That big long thing across their back, that's the yoke. Okay, and what you do is you put it on the, on the oxen and it, it keeps them together, keeps them going in a straight line and it's kind of like a weight. And so then from, from there, you can, um, you can plow your fields. And so Jesus is saying, hey, if you're heavy burdened, come to me, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And you, at first you're thinking, what? A new weight? I don't want a new weight. I want, a, I want, I want my burdens taken off. But, um, but, she, but he's actually saying that if you take my yoke upon you and you learn from me, that, that you, will, um, you will find rest. And he, at the end he says, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So it is a challenge, but at the same time it's an invitation to life in, in all its fullness. The last thing is discipleship is empowering. Okay, so when Jesus invites us to be his disciples, he makes more out of us than we ever thought possible. He provides a way with our participation and cooperation, empowered by grace and sustained by his spirit. As Jesus does his work in us, all the things that governed our behavior, they no longer drive us. It's kind of like the fuel in the engine is changed. I don't run on my old desires the only thing 
Um, this, sorry, I, I don't run on my old desires. And, and this actually, yeah, it's like my fuel is, has, have, I've tried a new fuel now. And it's, um, this only happens through a learned way of following Jesus. Matthew 16 says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So there is some, something of a change. I just want to um, go into a little bit of a, um, of a, of a thing about um, the rhythm of discipleship because I've talked about it, but, you, but some of you might be going, yeah, but how do I actually do it? What, is it? what does it mean? Like it sounds cool, but I don't get it. Um, so you'll notice in Hebrews 12, remember it said that Jesus is a champion and that he's the initiator and perfecter of faith. Um, so to me, that gives us a bit of a insight into the rhythm of discipleship. First, Jesus invites us into friendship with him. So he initiates faith. He invites us and he accepts us. He receives us. He graciously kind of takes us in. We're befriended. We're forgiven. And so we kind of say as a response to that, we're like, oh, you're showing me how you see me. And that's changing me. Does that make sense? Like you're showing me how you see me and it's changing who I am. Um, in John chapter 1, there's a story of Jesus um, kind of like meeting his first disciples. And, and the first disciples, they start to follow him and he turns around and he says, what are you doing? And they say, oh, we, we want to see where you're going. And so Jesus' response is to say, come and see. Okay, and so to me that's the first rhythm of discipleship is that Jesus invites us in he initiates and then our response is that we welcome in Jesus name okay so we actually become people who can welcome in Jesus name because we've received the welcome of Jesus at the same time Jesus calls us to a next step so he moves us on a journey of growth um, he challenges us onwards towards greater fullness and wholeness it's kind of like this like god loves us just the way we are but he loves us too much to leave us that way okay god loves us just the way we are but he loves us too much to leave us leave us that way so jesus is always there's always this sense of you're calling me on to something bigger something um, another challenge um, something that's gonna gonna be a um, like a, a new thing that maybe i don't i never imagined myself being able to do Again, in John chapter 1, when Jesus meets Simon Peter, he says, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. And Peter means rock. So to me, that's already a call. It's not just a welcome, but it's like, your name's Simon, but you know what? Stick with me and you'll become a rock that other people um, can, can base their lives on. And a bit later on, he said, Jesus says, I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Can you imagine being told that? Peter, just a fisherman, an ordinary guy, talks too much, you know, um, hard on his sleeve and Jesus is saying, you're going to be a rock. And so he's called into something bigger than he ever thought was possible. Dallas Willard is a, um, a writer and he writes a lot about discipleship and he says this. He says, I think I forgot to put that up on the screen so you have to listen carefully because it's a little bit, I was thinking do I put this in or not because it's a little bit, um, yeah, uh, challenging. 
for us to hear. The path of spiritual growth in the riches of Christ is not a passive one. Okay, so you can't just sit there and go, oh, God, when are you going to do something in my life? It's not a passive one. And then he says, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Effort is action. Earning is attitude. So, you know, we receive God's love. We don't have to earn it. So if we ever have this attitude of I'm earning my salvation, I'm earning God's love, I'm, I'm, I've, I deserve all the good that I've received and who I am, that's, that's the thing that's not really of God, that kind of attitude. But it doesn't mean we don't make an effort. You know, we've got we to gotta make an effort because that's, that's what following Jesus is all about. He calls us into new levels of functioning with him, new opportunities, new partnerships with him. Do you know, like in my time here, for those of you who've been here the whole eight years, you'll remember me when I first started and I, I, was, I was a bit of a mess, you know. I was a kind of very inexperienced person to be leading a church and, and to be, be on the team. But I really appreciated everyone's warmth and acceptance. And, and I, I feel like I can, I'm saying this with humility, but I feel like when I read, when I say these things about growing as a disciple, hopefully you can see that that's happened in me. And hopefully you can see it's not just because I'm a minister, but it's for everybody. Okay, so if you guys, you guys can grow just as easily as I, as you may have seen me grow. Okay, and I feel like I've got a lot to go. And I also feel like you've taught me a lot. Um, in, in the whole time that, that I've been here. So steward what Jesus gives you, steward it well, and your impact will increase. When Jesus is front and centre, Jesus is making disciples that make disciples. Okay, this is, so just to conclude, I've got a bit of a, I used to be a maths teacher, and I, I sort of like graphs and things, so I've got a, um, something that I want to show you. Okay, and this is just, I, I think this will hopefully help, help us as a community to, to know um, where we're at in terms of discipleship. Okay, so where is our church community sitting? So you'll see, remember that the rhythm of discipleship is inviting and challenging. Okay, so that's got to be happening in our church. If you have a church community where there's low inviting, so low welcome, low in, invitation, and low challenge, so nobody's getting challenged. Basically, that is a boring place to be. It's a boring community because there's no growth. It's also cold and lifeless because there's no friendship. There's no warmth and invitation and, and acceptance of people. And nor is there, hey, you can be more. Let's, let's encourage you along and take steps towards Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to be in a church like that. And I would hate for you guys to be a church like that. Let's go to the next one. Okay, so if, if we move into this one, so notice inviting is still low, but we've gone a few steps in the challenging side of things. That can also be a pretty hard place to be because I don't know about you, but if I don't have that sense of warmth and friendship and, and embrace, and yet all I've got is somebody telling me that I'm not good enough and that I'm not doing the right thing, then that's a stressful community to be a part of it's kind of discouraging, and it leaves me walking out going, am I making the grade? Am I good enough? Should I just leave? You know what I mean? And so to me, that's also not a healthy place for a church to be. But unfortunately, I've seen those sorts of churches around, and I don't want that for you guys. Okay, so the next one, this one's probably the most common in Australia, okay, is 
high inviting, so people are warm and welcoming, and, it's, and that's really working really nicely, but low challenging. So don't want to push you, don't want to encourage you along. You, just, you can just relax, and, and it's just a warm, fun community to be a part of. So for, to me, the best word for that is cosy. It's a cosy place to be. And everybody likes it, everybody keeps coming, everybody um, enjoys the, the sense of community, but there's also a sense in which it's, it's passive, it's, it's stagnant, because we're not really stepping, stepping out and moving forward in following Jesus. So there's not that growth um, that's going on, and it can actually get a bit discouraging over time. The last one, and this is where I think we should all be heading, is high inviting, high challenging. If we're in that space as a community, then it's, an, it, it's got that warmth and friendliness and acceptance, but there's also this kind of, we, we go away encouraged to grow, encouraged to, to be more um, and to, to see Jesus working in our lives. And it's a life-giving space to be. My heart is always for, for, has always been for our church to be in that space. And, um, and, I, and I've seen over the time that we've been here people moving in that direction, and that's been really wonderful. So um, just to conclude, because I know that the service has gone on a little bit longer than normal, um, I just want to conclude by saying discipleship, it's essential, it's enough, it's empowering, it's also available. So just think, how are you cooperating with the grace that God has made available to you to live your life differently? Okay, I, I'm, I'm just going to conclude by asking everybody to stand up and to put your arms out like you're going to receive from God, okay? And I'm just going to say one last prayer um, in order to, to conclude today. So don't be, don't be scared yet. Put your arms out. Like, put it out as if you're ready to catch something huge. You know what I mean? Because you are. All right. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus... We hold out our arms to receive from you today. As Team Northern, we just want to receive from you. Each one of us here is on a spiritual journey, and together we're on a journey. Please break out any feebleness, tiredness, and small-mindedness. Please strengthen our resolve, shift our postures so that we can run with confidence in your purposes and feel the freedom of your yoke. Reveal the possibilities to us, we pray. We receive your acceptance and your love. You call us as your friends, your brothers and sisters, and you trust us to walk beside you. You believe that we can do it. Lord, we also receive your forgiveness. Thank you that you take away shame and regret, moving us into new freedom and truth. We receive your empowering. You give us courage, courage to step forward, to give opportunities a chance, to shape us and to form us into people you have made us to be. We also receive your protection. We thank you that you, uh, you are all-powerful and that you can protect us um, when we find ourselves uh, in that valley of the shadow of death. We receive your call into your purposes wonderfully and graciously trusting us to be your ambassadors, people who can love, as can show your love to those around us. So strengthen us, awaken and inspire any sleeping cozy disciples who have yet to, set, to step into action 
in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. And in my own faith journey, what next step is Jesus calling me to take? I encourage you to write those on the response cards. You can put that in your back pocket. You could also hand it in. Um, we're going to have offering after this um, during our last song. And um, I encourage you to put those in. And the, the ministry team will pray for you. And, um, and I think that's a really valuable thing to do. So we're just going to have a, a music, some music playing and a little bit of time to respond in your own prayerful way um, to, to Jesus. And, um, and then we're going to sing our last song. Okay, thank you. <laughs>